Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? High Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. I'm excited. I feel it. What is it? A new year? New year's no. coming around the corner? I don't care about oh. that type of stuff. Yeah, that's all the same. Right, we have Megan Cuniff joining us today on Higher Learning. Megan, yes. the reporter. Your go-to source for non-biased and accurate talk. Say that again. Say that non-biased again. Non-biased and accurate talk about the Tory yeah. Lanes and Meg the Stallion trial. That's actually, what am I doing again? I'm doing it again. It was the Tory Lanes, they start Peterson trial, um, where, you know, the assault against Megan the Stallion was litigated. And look, here's the deal. You don't have to say allegedly anymore. Right. Tory Lane was God. found guilty. Tory yeah. Lane and shot I know, Meg the Stallion. There you go. And I know I was biased, but I was also right. Oh, talk your shit. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I was also right. I am were so you, what glad. What were you right about? Well, that he did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I know, now I know I also said, before y'all come at me, I also said, if for some reason he was found not guilty, that doesn't mean... That doesn't mean anything. You but couldn't lose. Meant, you put yourself in a situation meant, where you couldn't you couldn't lose. You were like, whatever what comes say. out, whatever happens, this is what I believe. And you and this you stood on your shit. But it's mm-hmm. not honestly, it's not about me. I'm just happy, you know, one, that it's over for Megan. I can only imagine how dramatic that was. I'm sick of people litigating all her personal business and all these certain things and all the stereotypes that they have against women and black women and putting that out on Megan. I'm just happy that it can be over. And I hope that, you know, like she's able to move on with her life more than anything. I'm, I'm happy with that. Well, let's go right into it. Since we're, since we're discussing this, well, Come on. It's, a, it's a packed show. You know, this is the big deal of the day. Obvious. We can dispense with the pleasantries. You know, we'll have, we'll, we'll have a whole fucking show next. We should do just one show, just pleasantries. Well, we just get on here, just a pleasantries episode, and we just shoot the shit with Donnie and Ashley. You know, just a pleasantry show. I, I, I do want to. I do want to ask you one thing about before we get into it. Just one thing: Did you have the Colombian alcoholic drinks at Christmas? Did you indulge Coquito, in them? Coquito was there. Oh, Coquito, Coquito. <laughs> was there. That's what I'm talking was, about. I you, didn't have you, any though because you know I don't like a like a milky what the substance. Fuck, dog. What the, <laughs> bro, you, you like all you do, Rachel. You're such a light in my life, but the disappointments that come along with it are so tremendous. Like I you, keep you, you on your fucking, toes. You got fucking coquito right in your face. You got the. You got the coquito right there. You don't drink any coquito? What do you drink? And I feel like you put this out there because I have spent a number of Christmases with the Abasolos and I've never once seen coquito. And then all of a sudden, it's <laughs> you know everywhere we go. And I was like, yeah. did Van, was this a present from Van? Did Van yeah. send this over here? Everyone's like, oh, you want some? No, I don't want some. That's not what I want. You, they be hiding the some- coquito from you. They be like, you come in the room and they put the coquito behind their backs. You know what I mean? They be, it's, they're like, they're like, oh, it's the little negative girl, and they put the coquito away. It's okay. the, it's I would the totally understand. It's the, it's the totally little negative girl, they and they put the coquito away. They don't want you to have Rachel. You gotta. Have you ever tried it before? If my in-law said that to me, can we just wait? No, let's just pause on the negative that that you keep saying. <laughs> 
Negrita. Say, Brian. Let's just Brian met the beautiful Negrita. Actually, joke about that, so Brian. When we first got together, like I'm gonna be paying attention to see. I'm gonna be paying attention to see if anybody says that. I know what that means. No, no, they're great. They're wonderful. They're wonderful. Uh. What did you ask me though about the coquito? No, I I, don't, I didn't it? try any. I didn't try any. I don't like. It's like an. Egg, it looks like eggnog. I don't like that. I don't oh, like you don't that. Fuck with that that's that texture. I like coquito. What, what what are you? What, are you wearing? What is that hat? What is that? Just a hat. But who makes the hat though? What? Who makes the? I hat? I know my signal messed up. I Hello. Can, I can't see. Hello. Can you hear me? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Sorry, my signal's unstable. Yeah, who ma- who makes the hat? I'm not sure. Does that say Christian Dior? <laughs> Rachel, are you wearing a Christian Dior fucking visor? Nigga, have you like like wait a minute? Hold, hold on for a second. Let's before we get into this, Damn we got we got to talk about it. Are we? Are you wearing a Christian I Dior with the visor on like, the on the pa- on the podcast today? Like what man, the fuck? I'm on, vaca- I'm on vacation. I'm you in Miami? You're super what? Miami. No, I'm not in Miami. Right I'm not in Miami. I, Where are you I, at? I totally am. I'm in Palm Springs. I'm oh, on you're a in retreat. Palm Springs. I do oh, podcasts everywhere. I swear, there's no place I will not podcast for y'all. How how like how much does a Christian Dior Man. visor hat cost? I'm just asking. It's not a diss. <laughs> that shit is fly. Donnie, jump on. Like, like seriously, Donnie, j- no, jump on. No, he's probably Donnie. It looks good. Probably, I, it looks good. I found the, it does. It does. Oh, Donnie, I know it looks good. That's why I, I got it. You look. It looks good, Donnie. How much does the Christian Dior visor cost? Donnie's looked this up. Have. have you? Correct me if I'm wrong, Rachel. I might be wrong, but the Sunglass Hut says it goes for five sixty. Nigga, you pay five hundred and sixty dollars. No bullshit, dog. On, on some real shit, five hundred and sixty dollars for a Christian Dior golf hat. It's sunglasses. It's a, it's a sunglass. It's their sunglasses. Okay, that's what, why what Donnie found them at the sun. That's why Donnie found them at the sunglass. Those are lenses. I'm wearing it. I'm wearing it on top of my head so you can see mm-hmm. for the podcast, but it's more of like a, it's like a sun, it's a visor, but it's a like sunglass. It's a big lens. Okay. It's a big lens. Okay. Donnie it's looking an like, look, 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 at, look, at, look at Donnie's picture right now. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> looks so attractive except for me. Like, look at Donnie. Don, look, you look good. Like, Donnie, you look, you look Donnie, great. Donnie looks like a man of the woods. Like, situation. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Uh, by the way, the hat talk is just jealousy. The hat looks great. I just no, don't. I just, I, I, yeah. <laughs> as soon as you said it, I was like, I should be, I'm going to be like this the whole podcast. Okay. Okay. Like, so look, guys. We gave you a little pleasantry. We said we wouldn't, but the the big deal that we we're, we're covering right now is kind of a retroactive big deal. Tory Lanez was convicted of shooting Meg The Stallion. A, Lo- a Los Angeles jury found Daystar Peterson, aka Tory Lanez, guilty of guilty of three felonies in the 2020 shooting of hip hop star Megan The Stallion. He's let out during handcuffs. His father, Sunstar Peterson, um, <laughs> uh, was very upset outside the court. We'll talk about him in a second. Actually, you know what? Let's talk. Let, let's go ahead and play that now and get and react to the whole organic globule of that now. Jury of seven women and five men convicted 30-year-old Daystar Peterson. Um, assault with a semi-automatic firearm, having a loaded, unregistered firearm in a vehicle, and discharging a firearm with gross negligence. Uh, he is facing up to 20, 22 years. He will be sentenced in late January. This is Tory Lanez's father coming out of the courtroom. You want to know exactly how I'm feeling? Yes, sir. I just stood here in this Los Angeles County and witnessed the worst miscarriage of justice yes. that this world has yes. ever seen. Yes. You want to know how I feel? I'll tell you exactly how I feel. I got some names that I want to call. Alex Spiro, Desiree Perez, and the whole Rock wicked Nation. system of Rock Nation, yep. including you, Jay-Z. Yes. Yes. You who yes. say yes. you rose from the gutter. But you have traded and bartered the souls of young men, and you're still doing it. The only independent witness in this courtroom is a man whose name is Sean Kelly. He came to court, and our attorneys, he would not even shake their hand after he went upstairs with Kathy Tah. And Alex bought. They met on Saturday before. They met. They on met with our witness, and then the man came back, and remember. I sat in the hallway while he sat with Jody Little, the prosecutor's investigator, who acted so dumb, an intelligent woman who did not want. Listen, I've seen so much evidence buried in this, yeah. and I know exactly what the public out oh, here will yeah, say. Yeah. Don't talk. Um. Okay. A uh, couple of things there. Number one, when you're trying to deliver a message, a lot of times you want to keep it succinct. And you know, this is something I have to learn. You want to get right to what it is that you're saying, especially if you know you're doing the booming Baptist preacher thing. You know, hey, we went from Jay Z is the devil all the way to somebody we never heard of, and it was a journey. And I understand that that father is in pain because <laughs> his son is. I, I'm I'm not making fun of this man. That must be a terrible, terribly not. emotional thing I'm to go to. I'm laughing at your choice through. of words, but it's it's. <laughs> I got lost there a little bit. Um, but you know that guy's going to be probably the number one podcaster of 2023. He'll definitely we'll definitely see more of him. He'll the YouTube page is already being set up. Uh, but look, I understand why they're upset. They're going to be without their son for a while they're going through pain as a family, but that was all over the place. I'll ask you your feelings when you heard the verdict. Well, 
first when I heard Sunstar speak Sunstar. outside the courtroom, mm -hmm. it all made sense to me. It made sense if these are the people that you and I get that this is your family, right? And obviously they're going to stand up for their child. I say that, but I feel like if I was on trial for this, I don't think the judge would stand up for me. I think he'd be like, let the system play out. Really? <laughs> let, let the system play out. I don't know. I don't know. You'd be like, Rachel, the evidence ain't looking too good against, against you. My dad is, I really think that at the end of the day, you know, maybe I, he might be upset for so, me for saying that. But I feel so like let's, stay, let's stay here for one second. Obviously, that looks crazy, right? Because it's so raw, it's so whatever. But I mean, that's his dad. Like I'm expecting him to yeah. believe in. I, if you've ever loved anyone who's been on trial or been through a trial, you you believe in what they say and you feel you want to see this person free. So, what what, yes, what would you expect from his father? I, I guess you know. I would expect him to be like. Obviously, it's a sad day for us. This is this is he's. To y'all, he's story lanes to us. He's, you know, Dave Star Peterson is our son. He grew up. I understand all of that. I would have been better. But the 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 accusations against I don't understand. Maybe you can help me. I don't understand where the rock nation of it all came in. I don't understand the pointing out of Sean Kelly, who was a witness in the trial, who mm -hmm. apparently witnessed the shooting from from um, his apartment room. A bedroom. I don't understand where, how we went from there to there. I don't understand the accusing other people in the midst of it all. I understand the pain. I don't understand that. It just seemed very performative, performative and as, mm. and it looked like somebody who wanted their moment in front of the cameras. I mean, he was even telling other people to shut up so he could have his moment. I don't know what I would do if I was in that situation. I don't know what it is to feel that kind of pain. So yes, I'm assuming what I would be in that situation and I'm making up assumptions on what he was doing but it just seemed erratic and all over the place and he was saying certain things that he knew would make headlines and get attention which mm. it did I saw one person say that that's he was upset fair. that I saw one person say he's really upset that he lost his meal ticket and that stuck with me it stuck with me so that's just okay I get it this is kids <laughs> I'm sorry though, you know? I couldn't yeah. let it I couldn't let it it, it stuck yeah. with me well, yeah. it, it, it's hard for me. I am so sorry for saying this, and I know everyone's going to come at me. It's so hard for me to have no, any it's type of sympathy. Want, no, they do. They talk about how biased I am, mm -hmm. or when it, and Rachel hates black men. That's a that's a huge narrative. But Rachel hates black men. She doesn't support black men. She's she doesn't she's not logical when it comes to, to talking and discussing with black women. It is hard for me to have any sympathy for Tory Lanez for how he completely came at Megan the Stallion. It is really hard for me. I'm not even just talking about what he was on trial for. I'm talking about the way he came at her on social, the way he tried to turn people against her and speak of her in such a derogatory way. The things that he planted out there and tried to put out there, I can't see. I don't have sympathy for him. I think he's getting exactly what he de what he deserves. So, okay. sorry. I, I, it's hard I, for I don't me, have, it's hard I don't for have me any, to see it any I, other way. I, I, I don't disagree with you there. I think it would have been probably easier to have sympathy for his dad if the points that you made before weren't so salient. If it didn't seem like he was, uh, you know, centering himself and having his moment. Look, I've been in courtrooms before and seen families that have to watch loved ones go away for a long time. Yeah. I have had three different uncles uh do long stretches a number of cousins people like brothers to me do long stretches and i know 
the strain that it puts on the family, even when in the back of your mind, you know them niggas did that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't stop a mother from missing her son doesn't stop all of that. Now that don't take anything away from the families or the victims or anything like that, or the fact that just for right. harmony, we have to have justice in society. So it's not the pain of the family um, or the fact that they're sad about it that uh, that um that in any way I relate to. It's or or it's the fact that there still seem to be like to your point in that this zero accountability and almost an attack you know what i mean an attack against people who he felt like uh wronged his son once again it's a big conspiracy it seemed like but Mm -hmm. i understand Mm -hmm. that man being upset that his son is going to be gone for x amount of years we have megan cunef on the show we'll bring her in right after this and she'll give you a little bit guys a little bit more information about the, the the trial itself the the story of Tory Lanez uh, and Meg Thee Stallion as it, rela- as it relates to this particular criminal trial. And, you know, we, we asked her a lot of great questions about the media and what she thinks is going to happen to Tory now. But I, I do want to get back to your feelings when the verdict was first read, when you first mm-hmm. heard the, the, the verdict. You, as a black woman, someone who's been very outspoken and very passionate about the trial uh, and what you felt like it meant, how did you feel? I, it was it was a really weird experience when I when I, I got nervous, right? I think it was Ashley who first said, you know, that they they have a verdict, and I was, you know, in Miami enjoying the pre Christmas time, my vacation, and I was like, I don't I don't know if I, I don't know what I want to know. I don't know if I want to know it. I don't want to I don't want to be upset. Uh, but once it came out, and it seemed to come out very quickly that he was that he was guilty, and on all three charges. I've really just let out a sigh of relief. Um, and I say all this, I know it's not about me. Okay. I know this is about Megan, but I just let out a sigh of relief because it just felt exhausting having to defend Megan and having people, Megan as a person, Megan uh, for the things that she does outside of the studio or in her private time, having to, it just seemed to be that it felt like black women were on trial. And I know y'all are going to say I'm being very dramatic, but the way that this played out in the court of public opinion, it felt that way. It felt like there were certain stereotypes, not felt that way. There were being these, there were these stereotypes that were placed on black women and you know, that Megan was exaggerating, that Megan was this, that Kelsey was this person. And it just seemed that nobody but black women, not I shouldn't say nobody but black women, but it just seemed like black women had their back against the wall and were on the defense when it came to how people were litigating this case with their opinions against Megan. And I just felt like vindicated in the sense of, okay, the justice system doesn't always work. But despite everything that was happening outside, happening outside of the courtroom, they allowed the case to be tried in front of this jury and the jury paid attention to the evidence that was in front of them and made a decision based off that, not on Megan the Stallion and her personal life choices. And that's what I wanted to see at the end of the day. And I was hoping, and I really tried not to pay attention to too much on social media because I didn't want to get upset. I just wanted to take in the fact that this man was found guilty and now people can move on. I tried not to take in how what people were going to say once she was once he was found guilty. I just wanted to rest in that he was and that was it. And 
you know, I moved on from there. I don't know. I didn't dwell on it too much like I thought I would. I probably would have more if he was found not guilty. But I was like, okay, this is exactly what needs to be done. Or what needed to be done was done. And now I can move on. Uh, I understand all of that. I, I think that there was something and we should we'll talk about it. So when the verdict came in, I I didn't have any emotional reaction. Sure. I think the 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 reaction was that's pretty much like what I thought would happen because I believed her story from the beginning and there are parts of the story that I think offer great lessons for people. Um, and I, I think that there are so many things to be taken from this uh, for black men and black women, for everyone, really. Okay. For everybody in this case, in this situation, you know, it's my belief that Tory Lanez grabbed a gun and started shooting at the ground for whatever reason uh, to be funny, to scare, to whatever. And a bullet kicked up and hit Megan Thee Stallion. And that constitutes him shooting her, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think if he had wanted to aim the gun and shoot her in the thigh, shoot her in the kneecap, shoot her in the chest, shoot her in the arm, that he could have probably done that, right? But I want people, when I say that, I want people to understand that that's not a defense or in any way an out for him. I want people to understand the seriousness of taking a weapon, a loaded gun, mm -hmm. and shooting it at somebody in their direction for whatever reason, however you meant it. I want people to understand the seriousness of doing that and what that means. You shot a gun at her. She got shot. You shot her. Doesn't matter why you shot her. Doesn't matter what you were attempting to do. What matters is the cavalier way in which you abused her using a firearm. Because that's what happened. So there has to be a whole globule of understanding behind just how ridiculous unsafe uh, and traumatizing that night was for her. Like it, 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 people have to really understand that people have to really understand. Like, you know, I grew up around guns my entire life. You don't point a gun at somebody for fun. I, I never forget. I was messing around one time and I never seen my cousin get his ass whooped more. Like his gun was unloaded we were getting ready to go deer hunter. Get deer hunting. He took the gun and he pointed at me like, "Bow, you a buck, man!" His daddy grabbed him, put him down in the dirt. It's like, "Yo, don't you ever point a gun at somebody unless you intend to kill them." If that gun was loaded and it go off, no more van, and you didn't kill your cousin, and now we gotta stay here. And, and, and deal with it. He's like, you just don't have any other, like these things are real. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so for what she has had to go through, whatever people meant to have happened that night or whatever was going through or however they got there, the only thing that, the only thing that matters is that she was uh, attacked. She identified her attacker. Uh, she told the entire world what her attacker had done to her and it, it bore out in the court of law. That's it. Um, 
I, I, I do, when we put some time between the case, I want to talk about how I don't think that we should internalize cases like this as being attacks on our identities as much as what we do. Because when we do that, I think we get into, sometimes we get into these intractable wars to where things are more about how it feels to us than they are about what actually happened, right? And and I think that there has to be, we have to be able to have these conversations and give them space because as much as you're saying you feel like this was an attack on black women, I'm not saying that that's irrational in any way. There are guys who feel like it was an attack on black men. It's Why? not an attack... Because they feel like there's a history in America of black men being accused of assaults by women and it not by being true by, by women, women, period, by women, period. And it's not and it's not being true. And, it, and it's and it's and it's not true. The reality is, in a way, that's a fact. It's not a, in a way that's a fact. How about this? It's not a fact in the grand scheme of things, sure. but the the narrative is absolutely a fact. When you look back at what you're taught when you're a kid, you're taught, hey, the Tulsa race riots were over uh, uh, a, a rape accusation. You know, some girl, some poor unfortunate soul said that Tory Lanez was the new Emmett Till. Whether or not this narrative is actually true, there have been factual events, let me say it like that, that have reinforced this narrative to where this is how you get a black man. And so when you make it about black men, and when you make it about an attack on us rather than an attack on Megan, I feel like we lose the ability to litigate it rationally and logically and talk about the fact that in the vast majority of assault and rape cases, like women are telling the truth. But the more we emotionalize things, the less we can actually get to the center of them to be able to discuss them in a way that facts and figures bear out. I agree with you. And I think the reason that I take it personal and I say, oh, I could breathe a sigh of relief. And I felt like my back was against the wall and I'm speaking as a black woman is because you're absolutely right. That's how it should be. But to me, I wouldn't have to be this way if there weren't these attacks that were slung at towards Megan. I felt the people who have my perspective were on the defense because of the way it was to me. It's like, Hey, this man shot this woman. Let's let or allegedly at the time shot this woman. Let's let it play out in the court of law. But that's not what happened. It immediately put just as we have said, as we discuss it, it became Megan the stallion on trial, as opposed to this is Daystar Peterson trot, like the state versus Daystar Peterson. And it became her name that was put in front of it. And she became on trial and or she was put on trial. And that is why I speak from, as people call me, you know, a biased point of view or even from an emotional point of view, because I immediately felt like I needed to take up and speak on her behalf because for some reason this woman is the victim, but yet she has become and her life has become the center of this trial. And that's not how it should be. But you're right. I agree with you. I guess I'm just explaining why I became the way that I did, because I don't think it was black women who hurled these attacks first. I think it was them being on the defense for because of how what the way things were coming at Megan. Well, which was in, which was outrageous to me. 
I don't even know how we got, how, how that started. I understand the narrative that you're saying, but like, let's just look at the fact this simple black and white, a gun went off. He's being accused. This woman was clearly shot and let's just let it play out. Let's hear the evidence as it comes out. So, so this is what I'll say. The moment that there's speculation, he comes out and he intimates that he didn't do it. She comes out and she, she says that he did do it. You now have a, he said, she said, at least in the court of public opinion that he said, she said is going to be completely devoid of any rationality until the facts come out. Right. So it's just, it's at that point, it's just going to be about who you like more. That's it. It's not, it's it, or, or like if you one of these niggas, that's like, I'm hard on hoes, bitches be lying. You are going to believe Tory Lanez, even if there's a picture of him holding a gun with blood all over it, right? If you are on the other side of it and you're like, whatever Megan says, I'm with her, she's the victim. It's not, the only thing that matters is the what the facts were. I'll be honest with you. OJ Simpson killed two people, right? He killed them. The brilliance of the OJ Simpson, and, I, and you, you can legally say that because... He, you can't say he murdered anybody, but you can say he killed two people because the wrongful death situation, O.J. Simpson was found liable for it, right? If you go back and look at that case, the amount of evidence that puts O.J. Simpson at the scene of the crime with DNA all over him and having killed those people, that's not what, and Johnny's brilliant and he did his job, that's not what was on trial there. What was actually on trial there was race relations between black people and white people in the city of Los Angeles. And because they were so putrid right there only a couple of years after the riots, what ended up happening is the verdict of that case was that it wasn't that OJ Simpson was not guilty. It was that LA County was guilty of having fucked over black people here for generations. And everybody was like, fuck it. We don't give a fuck. So when yeah, I'm saying they were never going like, to win, they, they, they weren't going to win. And Johnny knew that Johnny had been around mm-hmm. for a long time, understood, understanding just he raised the reasonable doubt, Mark Furman and all the N word stuff. And like, when you go back and look at that trial, like, well, it, it wasn't a murder trial anymore. It was a socioeconomic trial. It was a trial mm-hmm. of the soul of the mm-hmm. racial soul of Los Angeles. What I'm saying is I don't think that this particular case to me should have ended up a trial of the distrust between black men and black women. And the only reason why I say that is the only reason why I say that is because the people that were on the edges in terms of the, the men in this that just didn't want to believe it. Yo, they're so far out there that they represented a completely illogical look at everything that was happening. The only reason why I was critical of Meg when she when she 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 lied to Gil King was because in that position, I felt like that was a disservice to everyone who had believed in her and advocated on her behalf that, look, yo, we don't need you to be squeaky king. I don't give a fuck who you fucking. But don't put us in the situation to where. Right. Like everybody's like, look, that bitch lying. Then I'm like, wow. Like, but I, I get the whole thing. OK, I understand the whole thing. Wait, can I just say something? You said every the people on the others, like who, you know, are taken up for Tory are on so far, you know, on like one opposite end of the spectrum. It's whatever. Is that true when you have people like Drake putting out a lyric? 
that's a or fair, people that's a the, fair point or people or people in the just and not just single out drake even though i will but other people in the in the community supporting her with clout so, yeah. not her sorry supporting him with clout you can't say that yeah. it's that and then easily influencing other people well if this this person would know this person's in the industry this person would know you know so yeah. you can't say that so this is this is what i would react to that this is what i would say to that i think a lot of times we put like we're in the we're in the habit right now of of putting like these rappers are that far out there. Mm. These like for the most part, the thing I like about I have a lot of friends in hip hop, but like yes. a lot of friends, most of them are unrelatable to people. The relatable ones, the ones who I talk to that are real people that I text back and forth with, that we have real conversations and like are real human beings that are just talented and are not these mini divas unto themselves that share their vulnerabilities that I talk to. They know who they are, like they know who they are and they know what's up and they know what's going on. People be getting on glasses ass glasses from the beginning of this was like, yo, Tori had something to do with this from the beginning of it glass was like tory did that right now he doesn't think he should go to jail for it because he's got this warped <laughs> sense <laughs> of whatever <laughs> like he's just like he doesn't think anybody should ever go to jail he doesn't want him to go to jail he would rather the streets take care of it but um, <laughs> but but uh so when i say that are far out there i'm talking about how black men and black women who don't have any dog in this particular fight, how they relate to one another. Like I, in my average everyday life, do not talk to a lot of people who view Megan Thee Stallion in the way that I was seeing the Manosphere view her. And that's mm -hmm. not to say that that's not a lot more guys than I think. It's not, sure. to, it's, it's, it's just to say that we have to be able to kind of, we have to be able to really have conversations that are based in, like what's happening and not how much hurt we have between one another. Mm -hmm. And I think it's up to black men, like the guys that, that I have in my tribe and more gentlemen that I want to have in a tribe to be like, look, if a woman says that a man shot her, I believe her. I believe her. Yeah. The case comes out. We analyze things as they happen, but I believe her when she says that. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. Just like if you go... Oh. If you if you be if you on your job tomorrow and you say your boss my boss called me a nigga, I'm not gonna come back and be like, well, I need to hear the tape. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like like my boss yeah. called me a nigga. I'm boycotting. I'm gonna be like, why? Well, I'm not. You're like nah, I need to hear the tape. Nah, let's. I need to hear the tape. If I don't hear the tape, that never happened. If you say your boss called you a nigga, I'm gonna be like, shit. Where the boycott? Better. Now, be now if it comes out that he didn't call you a nigga, and by the way, guys. We've been here before, okay? If it, if it comes out that he didn't call you a nigga, no, I'm, I mean, the culture has. I'm not getting into it. Oh. Like, it, it, like, it, like, if it comes out that it didn't happen, then it didn't happen. Oh. Okay? <laughs> okay? Give <laughs> me a second. <laughs> if it comes out that it didn't happen, then it didn't happen. But the belief is, I think, what women are sometimes asking for. But I do think that 
the people that were saying that you were biased, super biased in this, I think they have a little bit of a point, Rachel. And I think that you've you've admitted that, like you were you were you were pretty biased. Yeah, I literally said I couldn't have lost. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> even if she was found not guilty, <laughs> we've seen this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Justice. I know I'm biased, but Justice it doesn't mean served. that I that I hate black men, which is what they all with the van. Stop it. You don't Man. love them. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm seriously playing. Um, okay. Uh, we've we've been on this for a little while already. We're gonna give you guys a little bit of a supersized episode because we gotta go to something else. But we have to bring in Megan Kuniff right now, uh, from Law and Crime. Um, we're spending an inordinate amount of time on Meg the Stallion and Tory Lanez, but Megan was right there. She's now Megan the reporter. You're gonna get more information about the trial. The goings on, what happened, what went right, what went wrong, uh, in the next 30 minutes with Meg, uh, than you got anywhere else. So I want you guys to tune in on the other side of this break. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was... A kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. You guys, we are really, really lucky to have an exploding media star on our show today. Megan the reporter joins us today. Hey. Uh, you know her from her outstanding coverage of the People versus Daystar Peterson. It's of course Tori Lanes. Her name is Megan Cuniff. She is a senior reporter for Law and Crime News. She has written for the Washington Post, the Los Angeles Times, the New York Times, and many other publications. We are excited to have her on Higher Learning today to dive a little bit deeper into the trial that, of course, had social media in a tizzy. Megan, mm-hmm. thank you for joining us. My first question for you. Yeah. The defense, the defense said that they were absolutely shocked when the verdict was read, that they thought it was going the other way 100%. Of course, we know Tory Lanez found guilty on all three counts. You were there reporting, giving us basically up-to-the-minute reports on the goings-on inside of the court and what was happening, the way the evidence was unfolding in the trial. The question is, were you shocked when the verdict was read? 
Uh, no, at that point, uh, I was expecting it to be a guilty. We were thinking with how long they were taking, maybe they would have a hung jury. So we were thinking if by the end of Friday, they didn't have a verdict, maybe they would announce they were hung and they would have to come back next week or something like that. But when they announced a verdict, just the experience with criminal cases like that, it, it's going to be a guilty just based on kind of the timing, like a not guilty verdict would probably take longer. And then just sitting in the courtroom and looking at the looks on some of those women, juror, the, the women juror faces, especially, I mean, especially during the closing argument, I was like, okay, these women do not agree with Tory's lawyer at all. I mean, you can just tell by the look on their faces when they're listening to this, that they're not agreeing with him. So granted, that's not the entire jury, but just when you see those faces, I mean, you're kind of trying to read the tea leaves, but it's like, I don't think that lady likes you kind of, kind of look kind of thing. So they're on the jury. There's going to be an argument there. And, you know, maybe there would be one or two people who disagree with them and wanted to find a not guilty. But I just thought the looks on their faces were like so clearly like they are not buying this. You know, Kelsey is the actual shooter and Tori was just trying to break up a fight. And this these women were just so jealous about sexual relationships and stuff. It it was the kind of defense that maybe it played really well, like on the blogs and in social media. But in a courtroom in front of a jury, it just seemed like a tough one to to get across. So I I was frankly shocked that they said that they were shocked by the verdict because I don't think any like experienced criminal defense attorney would would say something like that and mean it because you would have to warn your client that you know anything can happen. Like you can go in and argue the best case and have all your witnesses go really well and he would still have to warn Tori that like look there's a chance that you could get convicted here. Like guaranteeing anyone a not guilty would be really bad. So it was, I was frankly just shocked that he said he was shocked. That's really interesting, Megan, because we, we, we covered not in the same way that you did, but, you know, we discussed some of the the things that were coming out and in the headlines in regards to the trial. And it seemed reading, you know, social media or even some of the articles that people were really split and didn't know what was going to happen. So the fact that, you know, after closing arguments, you had, um, a, a completely different thought is is really really interesting. De- okay, I, saw, I thought I lost you for a second. I can. Um, I want to know how problematic do you think it was that there, or maybe it wasn't that there weren't cameras in the courtroom, which we know sometimes can help a little bit more when the public can see what's going on, and maybe that would have taken away from some of this e lawyering we saw, or sideline lawyering we saw from people on social media. Do you think in any way that that was problematic to what was going on with this case? I, I think it definitely could have helped the public to have cameras in the courtroom because you know anytime you have more access to the courts, I think that's always a good thing. But then I also kind of wonder if it would lead to even more armchair lawyering, like we saw with you know Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, because that was you know all broadcast, but people were still doing their own live streams and that kind of thing and kind of injecting their own opinion. And I, I really tried to ignore a lot of that coverage. Like when I'm trying trying to cover a trial, I'm like so busy covering the trial that I I can't really focus on anything else. But I did happen to catch some of the commentary here and there and had to just laugh at how off it was. I'm like, just because you're a lawyer doesn't mean you know anything about jury trials. I mean, really. And even if you're a practicing lawyer, there are some lawyers who would admit that they don't know anything about a jury trial or a criminal case. So some of these people who were talking, I mean, it was just kind of comical. And one thing I noticed is when you talk to like judges and prosecutors and criminal defense attorneys, when they talk about a case and they talk about 
about proving it. I mean, the, the standard is definitely beyond a reasonable doubt. But what I thought was interesting was I would hear like YouTube commentators being like, wow, I really think there's some reasonable doubt in this case. And that's not really how lawyers talk about a case, because, I mean, the idea that a defense attorney can just get up there and say anything, say, oh, well, the mailman might have done it. And it's like, oh, well, that that now there's doubt in the case. It's like the key word with reasonable doubt is reasonable. And when you have 12 jurors back there deciding, you know, they can kind of decide what's reasonable. So one person on YouTube saying, oh, I think there's reasonable doubt here. It's like, well, would you think that if you went back and had to talk to 11 other people who just saw all the same evidence and, you know, maybe see it differently? Like there's always like the whole aspect of jury deliberations that I think people need to consider. Hmm. So I want to come back to your answer in the first question that I asked you, because I already know my antennas go up. And I already know what some people are going to say. Some people are going to say that when you said that you looked at specifically the women's faces in the case and that they weren't buying it, they're going to, this has been litigated very heavily online as a man versus woman situation in particular areas of the internet. Like we want Tori to be innocent because he's a man. And there are other people who say, well, we want Tori to be innocent because it means something about womanhood when, it's been put people have been pitted against each other that way is what i'm saying do you feel like any of the women on the jury were i'm asking i i'm trying not to ask you to jump in their heads but based off what you said do you feel like they were empathizing with meg or do you feel like from the preponderance of the evidence they felt like he shot her I I probably a a little bit of both. I think definitely emphasizing with Meg and just kind of the dynamic of her and Kelsey's friendship falling apart. I mean, there's so much drama and everything with that. But the prosecutor in his closing argument kind of summed it up as, you know, a a really messy game of telephone and whatever happened with their friendship happened because of stuff that happened after the shooting. And I think women could kind of relate to like the, the friendship and the best friend dynamic between Megan and Kelsey. And then there was so much evidence about what immediately happened after the shooting, like Kelsey texting Megan's security guard. And then the video of them when they were pulled over by police and just their demeanor. And you can see Kelsey yelling out to, I, I thought it sounds like she says, Meg, are you okay? But apparently she says like, baby, are you okay? But they, the prosecutors were kind of showing that this is Kelsey was acting as a best friend in like the immediate aftermath to that. So I think women could kind of, um, pick up on that, but it also just kind of depends on your your experience and everything. And and one reason I was so in tune to the the women's faces was just because that seat of the jury box was like what what we could see most. The kind of men on the jury were a little farther away, but I thought it was interesting when they did the jury polling. Um, the in o- older black man who was on the jury uh, really shouted yes. I mean, it was kind of like his only chance to really have like a say in the courtroom or anything. The only chance you ever really heard his voice. And when they asked him if it was his verdict, he just said yes, like really loud. And I mean, I just took it to mean as his like emphatic way of saying like he believes this is guilty and he probably finds the defense on it kind of offensive. The idea that they would go and blame Kelsey and and say that Kelsey is the one who shot when, you know, they've even got uh, a recording of him apologizing for it in jail. But, you know, as, as Tori's lawyer said, he never actually says in that recording what he's apologizing for. So that was kind of left open. Uh, there was a lot of talk around 
either witnesses that didn't show up or witnesses that changed their testimony. Do you see there being any type of charges um, being made against the bodyguard? Sorry, I can't think of his name at the moment or even Kelsey at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Edison, the the bodyguard not showing up. And I know Meg's team had kind of highlighted that and we, we never heard from him and I'm not sure if he would get charged for dodging a subpoena. Probably not. It did sound like prosecutors were, you know, getting close just the way they were talking to Kelsey and warning her about perjury that she could face, you know, some kind of perjury for her testimony on the stand that, you know, she didn't see Tori with the gun and that she said thing in this things in the September interview that weren't true. I'm not sure if they'll actually do that. It will be interesting to see, you know, if they do pursue charges, I'm kind of thinking, you know, maybe they wouldn't. And I, and I don't want to like downplay perjury and say that, Oh, it just happens all the time, but it, it, it kind of, I mean, it, it, it does here and there. And, you know, before, before they bring perjury charges against Kelsey Harris, hopefully they bring perjury charges against the uniform public officials who lied in the Kobe sure. Bryant photo trial, but, Absolutely. but you know, there's, there's a lot of, lot of perjury to choose from here. And I, th- I, I think they would have sympathy for Kelsey's situation in that while we don't see like witness recants on the stand and like big high profile celebrity trials a lot, like criminal prosecutors and, and judges say they, they do see it a lot in just kind of um, low pro- low profile cases that aren't getting a lot of attention, like domestic violence cases. And then cases involving like gang unit prosecutions, you'll get uh, original statements to DAs that then the witness gets up on the stand and and recants. And they say that usually because you have that ability to ask them about their previous statements, that just with the demeanor and everything of the witness is just kind of obvious to the jury what happened. And it kind of seemed like that's what it would have been with Kelsey. I mean, the way they were able to kind of highlight her September statements and then just how kind of subdued she was on the witness stand. But it was also kind of a crapshoot. I mean, that was kind of a weird moment for the case where it was like, okay, this, I mean, that was like their star witness and she didn't say what they thought that she was going to say, you know, but Tori's lawyer then got up and hammered her so hard about, you know, prosecutors pressuring her in the September interview that it enabled them to play the entire September interview. So that normally wouldn't have happened. And that was I mean, that really gave the jury a chance to just sit there for 80 minutes and hear Kelsey. I mean, it almost sounded like she was kind of in a counseling session. She was just kind of like letting it all out kind of thing. So and and jurors are allowed to consider demeanor. So they had Kelsey up on the stand you know, really withdrawn and subdued, didn't want to say anything, but then they're able to hear her like candid, comfortable interview. And it's like, which do they think is going to be more believable, you know? So. Well, um, speaking of that moment, what were the best and worst moments for the prosecution and the defense during this case? Do you think that the defense, uh, his attorneys that, you know, uh, these are pretty high profile, expensive attorneys. Do you think that they did a great job defending him? Um, I, I, I know there were some uh, last minute changes in Tory's defense team. Like I think he had Sean Hawley for a while and then Shout out Sean, yeah. Yeah, George McDesian took over. And I mean, Sean is is really experienced in press conferences and she's done a lot of cases. But I mean, when you just look at the way this case was put together and I mean, they just didn't seem to put that much 
time and effort into it. And part of it is just last minute. Uh, you know, there's only two of them and they're in court all day. So it's not like when they get home, they can, you know, go do all this work. But what I thought was really interesting was I, it, I couldn't really keep up with the Twitter replies, but I did see some people sharing excerpts of uh, transcripts from the court, like the actual trial transcripts that you get from the court reporter. And you can order those same day, but they're really expensive. I mean, they've got to be like a thousand dollars at least to get a transcript like that. And the attorneys get them because they're using it to work. And especially when you're putting together a closing argument and putting together your slideshow, you'll take excerpts from the transcript and kind of highlight it up there for jurors. So I thought it was interesting that, I mean, it was pretty clear that somebody in Tori's team was like sending out a trial transcript or working with, you know, some of the social media and YouTube bloggers to try to sway public opinion. But then when it came time for Tory's lawyer to give his closing argument, he didn't have a PowerPoint and there were no like transcript experts being shown to the jury. It was like, okay, the whole reason you're getting those transcripts isn't to like take little quotes and put it out on Twitter to try to stir the conversation there because jurors are not paying attention to that at all. I mean, and the fact that lawyers are doing that in trial, I mean, that is problematic. It's like, you've got a client who's facing 23 years here. You need to be focusing on the case and not worrying about social media at all. So I thought that was, I mean, unfortunate for Tori too, because there were some things that came up, especially in the closing argument when his lawyer brought up this uh, pause between the shots. I can't, I can't remember if it's a pause after the second shot or a pause after the third shot, but it was kind of like, oh yeah, that and I'm like, why didn't we hear a lot more about this during trial? You know, it just seemed like it was kind of a fly by night defense for him, honestly. And I think any lawyer who was like very prepared, it would have been kind of a hard case because, I mean, the idea that saying that, you know, Tory was was just trying to break up the fight between these two women who were just warring, because I, I think people can understand women getting jealous about a man and, you know, fighting and pulling each other's hair. But the idea that one of them would then, you know, fire five rounds at the other one, I think kind of starts to cross into like gender science areas that maybe, maybe will just be hard for jurors to accept. So they really needed to like present a case that like focused on that more. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's always uh, it's always kind of easier said than done, though. And it's a matter of resources when you have, you know, how many attorneys do you actually have working on the case and who's in the courtroom and who's not that kind of thing. Sorry. Um, it's so here. interesting. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's interesting what you're saying. It's so interesting that you mentioned that about the transcripts and then, you know, possibly leaking them to the public because it seems that prior to the actual trial starting, it seemed that Tory Lanes and those surrounding him were trying to try this case in the court of public opinion as if that was going to transfer into the actual trial. And it was going to be, I don't know, the same standard or he'd be judged the same way. And, and you're nodding your head. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm assuming that that's the case. And before you answer that, because I feel like it might go to that, was the jury sequestered? No, they they weren't sequestered. They were ordered uh, regularly, you know, not to read any uh, social media about the case and or consume anything. And I've heard mixed reviews on whether people actually do that. A criminal defense attorney who's done a lot of trials in like Oklahoma said, you know, they all uh, they all violate that. 
But then a, a clerk who actually deals with jurors all the time, like the one who gets them from the lunchroom and takes them back into the jury room, she says she doesn't think they do, that they actually take it really seriously. And I've seen incidents of like jurors like ratting out another juror when they found out that she had done like outside research and stuff. So we didn't have any incidents like that come up in, in trial. And I mean, maybe there was some outside influence, but everyone seemed pretty you know, in tuned and focused on the case. That's why I, another lawyer told me she's, she represented Kevin Spacey in that civil case, just said that the civil sexual battery case in New York and, and won it. And she said, she thinks lawyers spend way too much time worried about outside publicity and the noise outside the courtroom and not nearly enough time worrying about the courtroom. Hmm. Um, Let's talk about, obviously in this particular case, there's been a lot of conversation over, uh, your reporting and um, some other reporting that was done on the, I guess, more mainstream media side of it versus the reporting that was done by various other outlets that people categorize as blogs. Um, what do you think the difference in that information that was being disseminated in this particular case was? Why do you think this be, the the difference in the reporting became uh such a narrative during this particular trial do you think that any of those organizations were particularly irresponsible with some of the things that they were putting out uh about the trial um i, I i'm not sure any any organization in particular that i i paid attention to i mean one thing that just struck me was, I mean, how personal it is for a lot of people and people have been following it for so long. So they know so much about it that, I mean, they're so focused on the process or the details of the case that I was able to learn a lot about the details of the case just from the coverage. But I mean, kind of the tone of it and the uh, approach of it. I mean, I, it took me about a day of being in the courtroom to realize that it was actually like really big news that Tory's lawyer was admitting that Megan was shot. I mean, and to me, I mean, who no lawyer would be stupid enough to get up there and try to argue she wasn't shot when there's like x-rays and a surgeon testifying. But I just realized that, I mean, all the line, I mean, Drake has that new song where he says that, you know, she lies about being shot, but she's still a stallion. And I guess we could, you know, go the Tory Lanez route with his apology call and say, you know, Drake never actually says what Megan lied about in there. So maybe Drake's just upset that Megan didn't come forward sooner to the cops and use that stepping on glass line. But I think it's pretty obvious that he's trying to say that she was lying and that she was never actually shot. And it was just, it's just unbelievable to me that there's like a narrative out there that she's, that says that she wasn't shot because it's just I mean she was clearly shot I mean that was just kind of shocking to to go in and and, and see that but I also think it's I mean, to say that they were I, I wouldn't want to like call out anyone in particular and like say that they were irresponsible because, you know, not everyone just hangs out in a courthouse all day. So, sure. I mean, it, when when you cover a, a case, there's always like kind of the courthouse reporters, but then there's uh, new reporters who are like original to the case. And you kind of just realize that you can learn a lot about them. And sometimes they'll approach things. We, we have this in the Harvey Weinstein case, too, where they're like social media blogger type. And when you look at what they're doing they're like okay you you don't really have like the journalism training and background but you have the drive to do it and it kind of almost says something about the traditional media and journalism industry that like the people who are interested in this stuff don't feel like they have a place in mainstream mm. media 
want to yeah. want to kind of do their own thing, but don't feel supported or have any opportunities. So kind of the training and ethics that comes with like traditional newspapers is kind of, I mean, maybe they don't really get all that into their own thing. Although I will say that some of it, I just think was malicious. I mean, some of it was just, sure. you know, they didn't really understand maybe the court process or they were too focused on this, but other stuff, I just, I mean, there's just, you know, calling Megan names and, and speculating about her sex life. Basically, it just seemed like, I mean, I was amazed that the first day on the opening statements, I went and saw a headline that was totally focused on this one line that uh, George McDesian kind of dropped in about DeBaby and Ben Simmons. And that, you know, Kelsey and Megan had both, you know, it had happened with DeBaby and Ben Simmons before. And I was just like, wow, what an inappropriate thing for a lawyer to be like, say, I mean, you're just speculating about like a 27 year old woman's sex life. And in my head, I was like, okay, you better have some witnesses who testify about that. Or you are going to look like such a jackass in front of these people. And he never really did. So, I mean, it was just things like that. I was like, oh my God. But I couldn't believe it that some people were like, that was the big headline of the day was, oh, DeBaby and Ben Simmons are involved in this. No, they're not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That that's that is exactly what was happening. That's that whole court of public opinion. They were litigating her sex life as if that would have some sort of influence inside of the courtroom. And I do think that there was particularly um, a guy and I'm, and I'm not sure if he was an attorney or not. And Van, you can correct me. There's particularly a guy who was constantly reporting on what was going on. And he was on a lot of the bigger social media blogs. But the his, lawyers for worker guy. Yeah, he is an attorney. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's a labor he's a labor attorney in New York apparently. But from his what I know. Reporting his reporting had opinions in it. And I think that was so he's a lawyer so obviously cre- credible but he was giving up he was like well I think she sounded believable and it was that kind of stuff that I think was swaying people in a completely different way than maybe what was actually going on inside of the courtroom it wasn't just reporting what was happening he was giving his opinion on it as well yeah yeah i i saw and that was the one that made me just think you know just because you're a lawyer doesn't mean you know anything about jury trials i mean really but uh i, I mean i i think people will you know kind of look to that for you know any type of credibility they that they can get and you know i really try to i, I mean i'm trying to not you know I mean, I, I was I was flattered that everyone kind of was saying I was you know non-biased and they were able to get just the facts from me, because to me, there's so much going on in the courtroom that I mean, if you if you had an opinion about things, where would you have room to include it when you're trying to include all these quotes that you just got? But there are sometimes some points with trials, and I kind of felt like this with the uh, the Kobe Bryant's crash photos trial that journalism and legal affairs reporting isn't just about one siding or two siding everything, you know? That to be fair, you know, you give uh, half of the article to the prosecution and then the other half of the article to the defense. It's like if you start seeing things going on in the courtroom where it's like, okay, I don't think Tori is getting really actually the best advocacy in that courtroom. Just the way some of this seems a little, you know, not planned out the way his star defense witness didn't seem to have really been pressed much or talked too much before he went up there. I mean, there's stuff that you can kind of see as a courthouse reporter that you can just start. I mean, I mean, it, and it's technically an opinion, you know, it's, it, it's an opinion for me to say that uh, it was, I thought it was weird that he was obviously taking trial transcripts and, and using it, but we never saw anything about it in a closing argument. But I mean, and those are the kind of opinions I would feel like comfortable, like saying, but anything about 
I, I, I don't know. You just, it, you just try to keep a level of integrity to it and, you know, just hope that if you just stick to what, you know, and the facts and what's true, you know, you'll, you'll just, you know, shine through that and leave everything behind. Um, that particular guy they said was inside the, the court sitting with Tori's family. Did you ever see that? Uh, he, he was in court for the media line. He had a media pass like everyone else. I did see him, you know, saying hi to Tori's lawyer here and there. And and, and really what, what I was just amazed by was that George was doing this. It's like you're you're doing a jury trial. You are really busy right now. Like your client's fate is in your hand. You should not be paying attention to this lawyers for worker YouTube guy who cares what he's saying on YouTube right now. Is he saying it in front of the jury? No, like don't pay attention to this stuff i mean to have lawyers doing that it's just i mean it's not good for the profession you guys need to be doing a better job for your clients like where do you feel like the defense lost the case I, I i feel like things were going well for them and they had kind of a moment with kelsey's testimony but it really wasn't good when when the judge agreed to allow her entire september interview to come in because that kind of piecemeal process that, that the prosecutor has to go through, like asking her about one statement here and there, it's like such a process that you're never going to get the entire interview in. So being it, that was a real moment for the prosecution was just having the jury just sit down and hear the whole thing. But I also kind of wonder if, if from the beginning, um, I mean, it, it just comes down to a gender thing. And, you know, this will probably like spark a big debate. But I, I kind of winced when Tory's lawyer's first words to the jury were, jealousy this is about jealousy ladies and gentlemen and it's like trying to make it kind of the hysterical women you know you just can't control women you never know what they're gonna do get a couple of them in a room together you know kind of thing and i'm like i'm not sure that defense is gonna play very well here and i don't think it did but then again one thing is interesting is you know we haven't heard from the jury at all and sometimes you'll a verdict and look at deliberations and think that you have an idea of what happened. And then you'll actually talk to a jury about what went on in the jury room. And it was like completely different. So I was going to uh, say something on Twitter that, you know, if anyone, any of them wanted to talk, I mean, and, and wanted to remain anonymous, we could, we could do that. So hopefully maybe in the next couple of weeks, some could come forward and kind of help us understand what was, what was going on in there. Cause like I said, you never really know until you actually talk to the jury. That's why it's like people saying, Oh, I thought she was credible and that kind of thing. I always kind of remind people, it doesn't matter what you thought of her. It matters, it matters what the jury thought of her. So. Yeah. Um, I just thought about this really quickly when it comes to jurors and I know we've been on this for a second, but really quickly, how many women were on the jury? And then also there was the the big headline that came out that Tory Lanez's team and Tory Lanez were in the elevator with a juror. Um, was that actually a big deal in the case? Was there a time where you thought, oh, this juror might be thrown out? Um, we might have to use an alternate. Was there even talk of a mistrial at that point? How big of a deal was that? Because it seemed like a big deal on the outside. Yeah, it, I, you know, and I, I saw all the all the hoopla on that and and just said that, you know, it'll take a lot more than like getting in an elevator with a juror because in the way the elevators are there, they're so packed and there's a huge crowd waiting for one. So like if one opens up and there's a little spot, you just kind of get in. And I actually was on a uh, the elevator with his lawyers and Tori. I didn't even realize Tori was on until we got off because it was so packed, but there was no conversation going on. And I think the judge did talk to her a little bit about it, the juror who was in the elevator and nothing came of it. Cause I think the answer would just be like, 
you know, did anything happen? And even if he said anything to her, it would still just be like, can you be fair? But one thing I noticed is uh, James from the LA Times, the LA Times reporter was covering it. He tweeted, he was actually in the elevator too. It was the juror and uh, Tori and Tori's lawyers. And then James from the LA Times, he's like, I can confirm there was nothing said. It was, we were just riding the elevator down to the first floor. So I think that was just kind of a, you know, much ado about nothing. But regarding the gender makeup, it was, at the end of the day, because there were a couple of jurors um, dismissed for reasons we don't know, probably just scheduling stuff. But I think it was nine women and then five men and then two of the women were alternates. So it was uh, seven women and five men back there. And and the one woman that I saw, because I had the best view of her during closings, where I was just like, Okay, George, like read the room. This woman does not like you. I mean, she just looked like she's ready to whoa. She was an alternate. So, you know, she never really had a, a say in the whole thing. But, um, but yeah, the uh, in coming from Orange County, California, covering jury, jury trials there, any jury in LA, I'm just struck by the diversity because it's not just a, you know, red hat lady mm-hmm. society in uh, Orange County, but it was young, uh, you know, a lot of people of color and then kind of ranging in age too. You had some young people and then some older people too. So I have one last question for you, but before I get to that question, I just want to come back to the fact that you were on the elevator with Tory Lanez, but you never saw him. He. Yeah. Cause it, <laughs> and, and, and cause I was, it just opened up real quick and there's like a little tiny space and his lawyers, I, I think I, I tweeted that another reporter remarked to me right. that Lane's lawyers look like a couple of linebackers up there. So they're, they're and pretty they just, surprised. they engulfed what you're trying to say is they like, he, you couldn't see him because. Yeah. Right. I think he was kind of okay. in the back, like behind him or something, but right. you know, it was, it, it, it's all pretty innocuous. The, and there I were, got you. you know, I get you. I get yeah. you. Just, you know, there's yeah. whatever. Um, So last question, the lawyers have indicated that, uh, what I think a lot of people are um, are anticipating is that there'll be an appeal here because Tory yeah. Lanez has a lot on the line. I would imagine that if Tory Lanez, when Tory Lanez is sentenced on January 27th, after the sentence comes, uh, after he does his sentence, he is not an American citizen. From what I understand, I think he's here on a visa. So yeah. I'm assuming that there will be deportation proceedings uh, at, at some point during his back and forth with California or the United, the U S government. So there's a lot on the line for Tory Lanez uh, and his future as it relates to this case that, it, you know, it's, it's still up in the air because he's going to appeal. Do you think he has a strong case on appeal and what other prospects do you know anything about uh, whether or not Tory Lanez will be deported uh, after he serves his sentence? I'll give you those two questions right there. Yeah, I'm not sure about the deportation. I think there'll be proceedings for that. But my understanding is it wouldn't come until after he serves. So after he serves. okay, cool. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then the January 27th sentencing, I'm kind of expecting that might get delayed. But uh, appeal. Yeah, I think any case like this, there will definitely be appeal. I'm trying to think what the issues are that he'll focus on. And George uh, McDesion was raising an issue of, of rap lyrics. So there's actually a, a California law and there's case law saying that prosecutors can't use, you know, uh, an artist's lyrics to try to, you know, establish anything in the case. But the thing is, the prosecutors didn't do that with Tori. It's not like they ever introduced any kind of lyrics from his songs to show that he has like a propensity for violence or anything like that. What happened was George himself actually 
actually is the one who questioned Kelsey about the lyric to her diss song against Megan and just kind of threw it out there in his exam kind of randomly. So later on, prosecutors followed up by bringing in the entire diss track, which I think legally that would be totally okay. I mean, the judge even said when they were going over what they could talk uh, to Tori about if he did testify, that while we're not supposed to ask him about rap lyrics, if he wrote lyrics about shooting Megan or something involving the case like that, you know, about how she's lying, then all that would be would be fair game. So I don't think the fact that Kelsey's diss track came in would be would be an issue i'm thinking one one big issue could be the judge's decision to allow kelsey's full interview to come in because that was a pretty big pivotal pivotal thing i'm not sure i mean there was no written ruling on it or anything but i also think there's legal precedent for that and then the big thing with all the appealable issues will be will the court see it as um enough to override a jury verdict because sometimes they'll see uh problems and agree that yes that shouldn't have happened but think that it wasn't enough to be reversible error that the jury would have still you know ruled for all these other ways so it'll so be Megan, do, yeah so do me a favor real quick because i don't think that people understand the appeal process rach if you allow me one second if you rach yeah, if you yeah. allow me or if i'm allowed to <laughs> redirect real quick uh, i don't think i don't think people understand that so in order to appeal the verdict what is the burden of proof or whatever? Like, what do you have to do? What what's in the when you say an appealable issue? Explain the appeals process to people who are listening right now who might not understand what needs to yeah. be on the table. Yeah, yeah. I, I, anyone can can file an appeal. There is, I, I mean, there's probably like a ninety day time frame from when the final judgment is entered, and they can pursue any number of issues for, I mean, this is when, you know, your your law school education and your, your legal nerdery really comes into play, because you have to, you have to write a brief to the appellate justices that's assigned to a panel. Uh, there could be oral arguments set where it would be the LADA's office arguing ag- against you on this, and um, it would be, uh, basically just up to the justices side. So while George might be involved in kind of the planning of it and kind of getting things underway, it is totally common for them to get another attorney, like somebody who specializes in appellate stuff to focus on that. Uh, so that could be something that we see, like if, if for some reason Tory does get another lawyer to do the appeal, it wouldn't be any kind of like like sign that he's on the outs with George, it would be just like a totally common thing to do. And the appellate attorney would probably be working with George on it, but it could be a, a, a process for sure. I mean, they're going to file, they would file, you know, a brief, like 20 or 30 pages kind of outlining what their legal arguments are. And they would have to find, you know, something big, something big that the judge did or some kind of error in jury instruction or something like that to really show that, you know, this, kind of polluted the whole case and the jury verdict needs to be turned out. It's a tough, uh, it's, it's a tough standard. I mean, it's tough to do that. And, but, you know, sometimes there's stuff that arises and the way the trial kind of stretched on and, you know, there, there could be something that comes up. I'm wondering if, if Kelsey's uh, interview coming in will be the thing that they focus on, but that that'll be the kind of thing that you have like appellate experienced appellate lawyers who kind of understand the courts and know the history of like cases like this. will kind of look at like, what are the issues that could like really get the appellate court's attention here kind of thing. So it'll be fun. Do you, do you know why they did not allow Kelsey's testimony to come in at first? Why was that not admissible? 
Yeah, uh, normally it's just not admissible because um, that was her kind of preparation interview with the DA's office. And while there's like case law that allows for if if she gets up on the stand and then says things like she did kind of recant, Uh there's a, a process that allows for them to take it like piecemeal by piecemeal, you know, statement by statement. But it has to be like like you would never be able to play the whole interview, like all the niceties in the beginning, like good morning, that kind of thing. Because it's not like when Kelsey got up on the stand, she said, Oh no, it was actually a bad morning in September. And they can be like, well, Kelsey, you said it was a good morning here. You know, you, you would have to go through it like sentence by sentence. So the idea that like everything in that 80 minute interview would ever come in, it would just be like such an excruciating like Q and a process between the prosecutor and the witness. So, um, but, but sentence by sentence, like I, I'm not sure if I'm making sense here, but it's the you whole are making perfect sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. And then, but, but yeah, then just playing the whole interview from beginning to end that, that usually really doesn't happen, but the judge ruled it was because Tory's lawyer was implying in his questioning that prosecutors had pressured her. And when you listen to the interview, they actually don't pressure her at all. So. Yeah. Um, Rachel, you got anything else? Um, well, one thing I just want to say, we were talking about the appellate process, but just because the Tories people will probably appeal this case, it doesn't mean that that will um, delay sentencing. He still will be sentenced. Yes. What do you think? I think you said at one point up to 23 years. What do you think? How much time do you think that he will get? You know, I'd, I'd have to look at uh, what the actual stamp in, in federal courts. When you hear the maximum sentence, you can kind of guarantee that it's not going to be that high. It's usually, you know, somewhere a lot lower sometimes. This I'm not quite sure. And with him getting the enhancements for causing great bodily harm and then uh, the other gun charges, I mean, it might be it, 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 it could be pretty close to you know, 20 years or so, but that'll be something that we'll hear a lot about in the next few weeks as they kind of litigate the sentencing. There'll be like a report that the probation office uh, writes or the prosecutors will come up with their own recommendations. So I'm, I'm kind of basing it off my knowledge of the federal system, but I think it's it's pretty similar in state court in that there's going to be like dueling recommendations. They'll like have an interview with them and they're, they're really going to take into account like everything in his life too, not just the crime and what happened, but you know, his success as an artist, I mean, all that kind of thing is, is stuff that does come into play during sentencing that a judge should be away. You know, when a judge is deciding whether to punish you for what you did wrong, a judge can actually can absolutely weigh everything you did right too. So. Mm -hmm. Um, Hmm. Interesting. If you had to make a $1 million bet on the number of years. I'm asking Megan the reporter. It's a million dollars on the number of years that Tory Lanez would get just for whatever reason, what would you think? You know, the number that came to mind and I'm almost hesitant to do this because it's it's completely guess. I mean, I wish I, I could point <laughs> right. to other cases like, you know, assault with a semiotic firearm and, and say the sentences for that. The number that came to mind was 15 years. And, you know, I'm sure some people will be shocked by that and think it's way too high. And maybe maybe it'll be a lot less than that. I'm looking forward over the next few weeks to trying and trying to research like other sentences for uh, for a charge like that and see what they got. But I definitely think it's going to be serious. And then the judge can also take into play. I mean, he's seen the entire case. He's seen the defense. You know, it'll, it'll kind of be a way for the judge to let us know, you know, what he really thinks about all this. So Megan Cuniff. 
Yeah. I hope that you are enjoying your newfound stardom. You have made us so much smarter on everything that happened during the trial. We, we consumed your content and we're so happy to talk to you now. Like what, what just, just get all the stuff, inhale it all. Here comes the podcast. (laughs) Here comes the Megan Cuniff court TV show, all of that stuff. We'll check back with you after sentencing. If that's okay, just kind of get a wrap up on that. That's we definitely will. Thank you so much for joining us today on higher learning. Thank you so much. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, let's... uh. Let's get into something else. Akon was on the ZZ Mills show. Shout out to ZZ Mills. Show looked like it had a pretty high production value. I like I like shows, internet shows that, you know, they, I guess it's an internet show. It might be on television. Um, but the show, show looked great. I loved learning about a new, uh, a new sort of personality. Um, And Akon was talking to ZZ Mills about young African music. A young African musician. I think his name is Young Sheriff. Is the guy's Mm. name or something like that? Black Sheriff? I'm not sure. Uh, They started talking about Africans versus Americans in terms of performance. And Akon said this. The African. Yeah. We a little different when it yeah, comes to stage yeah, presence. Yeah, 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 now in yeah. America, oh yeah, them niggas gonna be wobbling, pants hanging half down, <laughs> bored as hell, half to sleep because they high as hell right, on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Africa, we wake up morning like, look. I mean, look at these YouTube clips of all these kids from Uganda and yeah. how they be. You yeah, know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, these yeah. kids are performers. Like yeah. so, when, for us, it comes natural. I was enraged. I was enraged. <laughs> You guys know Man. how I love this type of situation. You guys know how I love the shitting on of Black Americans. Piss me the fuck off. I don't know why I'm supposed to. No, feel. I want I I want you to talk about it because I'm scrolling through and I'm like, did we podcast and I missed something? You were mm-hmm. everywhere. Based on your take on this, I well one, I want it. I want you to talk about it more. And two, did Akon reach out to you? No. Because this is everywhere. I don't know Akon like that. Yeah. I okay. Don't I don't, yeah. Well, that's a first. Go ahead and give oh, him a wow. ding just for fun, Donnie. 
can I get a ding for that? No, but you were you were you you were very upset, rightfully so. You posted on social media, wrote about it in the group chat. It got picked up by the blogs. Uh, a lot of people were agreeing with what you had to say. We've kind of touched on this topic a little bit on the podcast, but why were you so enraged? Well, number one, I want to I want to point out that when I was discussing this, I was talking about a very specific phenomenon, and that phenomenon is uh, people who come to America and assimilate with Black Americans culturally in whatever way they do rise basically in black American culture and then opt out of it at a time when they feel like they're in a position to criticize. That does not have anything to do with the diaspora, the worldwide definition of black, any people who might be into or subscribing to the tenets of the pan-Africanist belief or belief system. That has to do with a specific group of people that come over here, be on their I'm locked up shit, you know, (laughs) be on that smack that shit, be on all of that, and then turn around and say that there's something innately superior about our brothers and sisters on the continent. Because if we're all the same, then we're all the same. If one group is better, then let's fucking let's fucking have the conversation. My the, my issue with this is that what people have to understand is whiteness isn't whiteness isn't a race. Whiteness is a group of fundamental beliefs that are connected to the um the understanding of white supremacy right it's almost a religion whiteness is it's more religious than it is anything else it's a belief system that uh keeps white supremacy as the deity of western culture that's what it is okay and anyone can convert to the religion anyone can convert out of it but anyone can convert into the religion of whiteness. And a lot of times our beautiful black brothers and sisters from other places, they come to America and they use black Americans as a litmus test of what they don't want to be. And the reason why is because in America, your proximity to whiteness is probably the biggest measure or the biggest uh, the biggest indicator, should I say, of what your success is going to be. And the furthest thing from whiteness in America is a black American. We're the anti-whites. We are the workhorses, the mules of society. We are the people that 
build whiteness, not the people that take advantage of it. And what we're trying to understand and what we're trying to talk about is what it means to be black, what that word means, how we establish our own sort of worldwide uh, network of power economically and socially, musically and culturally uh, around that and what that means to be linked and united. But if y'all not with us, then y'all not with us. Akon does not speak, does not speak, does not speak for the diaspora when he talks. A lot of people were saying, Van, you're painting us all with a broad brush when you're talking about Akon. No, I'm talking specifically about people, whether it be music, whether it be law, whether it be engineering, whether it be whatever, that come to America, be on a Jay-Z shit, be on a I love this shit, be on a we all wearing FUBU shit, and then as soon as it gets to the get down, it's like, y'all niggas are over there, let me tell you why we're better. That's not going to work for me. And I think it's belittling and I think it's insulting to a lot of black Americans to act like we're making that sentiment up. This is not something that I first heard at 42 listening to Akon on That's Just a Show. This is something, there's a nigger word for black people, black Americans. There's a word for it. There's a nigger word for it. Akata. There's a word that means black cotton picking nigger. There's a word for it. And I think the Akon situation, as much as it pissed me off, I'm only mad at Akon. I'm not mad at... <laughs> All Africans or all Caribbeans or any only matter at Akon. But I think it's an opportunity to discuss that division on the black American side as well. I had a lot of people reach out and talk to me about like the, the childhood insults that they received and everything that they went through and how hard it was was for them. I understand that that's a deal. Well, let's discuss it and call that out and 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 get into it. Like, but don't act like it's not a thing. If you're criticizing someone over what I said, you should be criticizing Akon. Akon took it upon himself to say that niggas over here were nothing but guys with their pants hanging down that were on drugs and that kids in Uganda are blessed by God to perform in a way that the culture that gave you Michael Jackson, James Brown, Mary J. Blige, Count Basie, Fucking Janet Jackson, Jackie Wilson, Dion Warwick, Whitney Houston, Prince, Usher, Chris Brown, Rihanna, Beyonce, J fucking Z. All right. Nas, Luther Vandross, Marvin Gaye, The Temptations, The Supremes, Muddy Waters, Ike and Tina, even though Ike was a piece of shit. That, pe that that gave you this, that Louis Armstrong, Lil Wayne, Miles Davis, Charlie Parker, Nina Simone, Barry White, Sly and the Family Stone, the Commodores, the System, <laughs> Brownstone, SWV, Zane. 95 South. Oh my God. Okay. The Quad City DJs. Jermaine Dupree. Nah, okay, we're losing it. We're Puff. losing it. We're losing it. <laughs> Big. Pac. NWA. With and without Ice Cube. 
the fuck are we talking? What? Who? When? It just shows. Rakim? Rob Bass? Anita Baker? I would Phyllis love. Phyllis Hyman? Please, please feel who, free like, to interject. Like, like, like who? 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 How many? Like, where am I? Where am I? Like, where am I going? Where am I going? You want me to go to film? Like where, like where, like what are you, like what do you guys want me to do? Want me to talk about Lena Horn? Want me talking about uh, uh, fucking uh, Harry Belafonte, Sammy Davis Jr., Gregory Hines, Sam Carruthers, the Nicholas brothers? Who do you want me to talk about? That we don't know how to get down. Akon, we don't know how to get down. We can't get down, <laughs> nigga. We invented getting down. Now I tell you this. A lot of the reasons why we can get down is because in our soul, we are Africans. Sure. We are Africans. Okay? Not taking anything away from that beautiful continent with beautiful people where we all come from. But don't you fucking come over here after getting down with us for all of these years and tell us that Sam Cook can't get down. You could stop there. You know how I feel about Sam Cook. Listen, I don't have much to say with what, what you said, but I do think it's very important because when I first saw this, I'm like, okay, it's Akon. You know what I mean? This is a guy who didn't want to <laughs> accept blood diamonds. This is yeah. a guy who, you know, has said he was a part of an auto ring theft. And then like that wasn't true, but some of it was true. But I mean, like this is a guy who's, you know, had issues with minors, thrown people off his shoulders on stage. You know what I mean? Like this is, I, I, I looked at it and I'm like, okay, but it's Akon. But you're right. Akon, what Akon is saying, as idiotic as it is, and you might be listening to this, our, our thought warriors might be listening and be like, okay, but this is so stupid. It's so far-fetched. As Van just listed off 50-plus people and could honestly close out the podcast doing it on and on and on. We could go into next week mm-hmm. naming all the people that have contributed, Black Americans that have contributed you know, to the arts and everything else when it comes to uh, what we've done in this country. But it's not just Akon or even just Africans in general. We've had this conversation about, you know, my black is better than your black. But I think the reason, too, is that the reason people dismiss it and they're like, oh, that's just Akon is because we as black people do this as black Americans to each other. You talk about whiteness and being in close proximity to it and that how for, for a lot of people that gives them value and makes them feel like they've accomplished certain things because they're connected to it, will we continue to get to a certain place and push each other down and talk about each other, not maybe as bad as Akon, but stereotype our own culture in certain ways? Why are you laughing at me? Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> no, 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 because you're making a good point. This. You're making a I good point. I know what you're doing. You're making a good point. You're making a good point. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, but, Rachel, there's some lawyer but, shit you're doing it to me right now. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But I just think that it's worth the conversation because I saw something in one. I don't know if it was a comment in regards to this or something that happened recently, but they said black people's kryptonite is unity. And that stuck with me, too, in the same sense that Sunstar was arguing because he lost his paycheck. <laughs> it stuck. It stuck with me because. Why are we so against each other and putting each other down to build ourselves up or our culture or my black is better than yours rather than saying, 
looking at what we all do in different ways and contribute to greatness as black people, period. That's why this conversation to add to what you're saying is so worth having. And how do we get to a better place and past it? And when you have somebody who does have influence, whether you hate them or like them, like Akon talking about this, like I honestly was like, we should have ZZ Mills on this podcast because she was like, right, 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 right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, do you agree with what he's saying? Or are you just trying to further along the conversation? Because that, that to me, that should, that conversation should have stopped right there or he should have been challenged on what he was saying if we're talking about a unity here when it comes to blackness and greatness within blackness. Right. So white supremacy pinholes black excellence. So you got a pin, okay? And black, black excellence is like this big, right? It's like huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what white supremacy does is it takes black excellence and it mm-hmm. puts it through a pinhole and strings it out. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. And so when you take something that's like that big and you put it in the pinhole, right? This is the pinhole. Mm-hmm. And you're pulling it through the pinhole so you can control yeah. it. You want to yeah. make it smaller and you want to streamline yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. On the outside of it, it's like getting fat. Mm-hmm. And all of these people who are getting further away from that, all of these people who are ballooning outside of this that are getting further away from it, they're getting madder and madder and madder and madder and madder because mm-hmm. they're on the outside of acceptance from white people. And there are other people who are being pulled through it, right? And they can see them. Like, it's not like you get to a point and they can't, they can see them. Sure. And what they're trying to figure out is, what is it about me that's keeping me over here and keeping them over there? Because we're using the acceptance and the economic push of white America to validate us for what we are and who we are. And there's no other way for that to really go right now because the structures of America and really the Western world are built on white supremacy. And because they are built on white supremacy and the elevation of white thought, white attitudes, and white life, then we're outside of it. What we would have to do was we would have to build our own, right? The problem with that is the first thing that we have to do is we have to believe that we're excellent. Because see, the only way to like stop all the people here that are bubbling up on the outside of white acceptance from like, from this from popping and destroying everything is for them to say, well, let's stop. Let's build our own. Let's believe that we are excellent. Let's believe that we can make money investing into each other. Let's believe that our culture is good enough. Let's believe that our way of thinking, our laughter, our dance, our economic thought, all of this, let's believe that we're good enough. So let's reinvest into one another. But excellence isn't a, it's a belief It's something that there is thousands of years of evidence to, but something that the world has shut our eyes to. And so when I see something like what Akon said, what I see is him telling us that we're not excellent. Him telling us the same thing that white people tell us. Him telling to us that because of our lot in life of being black Americans over here, that we're in some way defective or deficient 
that there is in some way something that is inherently makes us slaves or not as good as people that were untainted by whatever slavery did. And if y'all want to have a conversation about the diaspora as it relates to black Americans, as it relates to Haiti, which the world has fucking purposely destroyed for for years and years after the revolution there of what we should be doing for one another then let's have the conversation let's have the conversation of why certain certain countries in africa are underperforming certain communities in america are underperforming and what we can do as a diaspora to lean on one another but if it starts to become us against them then niggas gonna be like fuck it because we sick of that shit and and as far as what you're talking about I will say that we need to find pathways to unity. We need to find pathways to understanding one another. All right. Now, look, I will say, if I go to your house and your cornbread is all fucked up, I'm going to think something. I'm sorry. I don't know if I go to your house and, you know, you got Franks in your gumbo I'm, I'm going to think something. And then, you know, we can have a conversation about it anyway. We say don't we can have a conversation. Uh, all right. Bill Cosby's back. What do you think? Bill Cosby's returning to stand up touring on Wednesday. He said that he's uh, he's hinting at a return to touring in 2023. He was being interviewed by Scott Spears on the WGH talk radio show. He goes, yes. Because there's so much fun to be had in the storytelling that I do. (laughs) (laughs) Years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I found it was a better way to say it after I write it. Cosby said there's a lot of fun to be had. Rachel, would you ever go see a Bill Cosby show? Come on now. Man, we all know how much I loved Cliff Huxtable, but not Bill Cosby. This man is delusional. and But the sad thing is, if he really does have a show, it'll sell out. Because that's yeah, the kind of society of that we live in. I also thought Bill Cosby was still in jail. So this was also a shock to me. I, I was like, oh, he's out? I totally forgot about that. I feel like he snuck out. That must have happened during the pandemic. Because I truly don't remember him getting out of jail. Do, do you? Bill Cosby getting out of jail? I don't remember him getting out Wait, of jail. Wait, what? Yeah, he got out of jail. They overturned the conviction. I totally we did an that. episode on it. Yeah, we <laughs> talked about it. <laughs> Rachel, what? I totally forgot. I was like, <laughs> what? Are you talking what? About? He's out of jail? <laughs> yeah, remember, was, like, the whole thing was about the, the DA was overzealous like, and they had promised Bill immunity. It all went back came on back through, but I could have sworn there was, like, another case that was coming out. I think there are pending cases. There was, like, something else. I thought he was back in jail. I don't know. Anyways, this is ridiculous bill cosby's still delusional and it shows you that he has learned absolutely nothing the fact that he can still think he can come out and talk to us about jello and and like laugh with us and you know be the good guy because he doesn't curse in his comedy routines no bill those days are over mm-hmm. but but sadly he gonna talk to an audience full of people and he's and he's gonna have surround himself with people who will tell him something different um We know that you're not going to see a Bill Cosby show. I'm probably not. I'm probably. I'm probably. Not I'm not going to see a Bill Cosby show. I'm not going to see one a Bill Cosby show. One of them. I'm not. One of them. Do, would you look differently in anybody who went to see a Bill Cosby show? And let me tell you why. Hundred percent. Because Louis C.K. is 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 doing his thing. A lot I of people. I wouldn't go to his show. 
a lot of people looked at you away because you went to Dave Chappelle show. So like there's there's people. But there's I think people there's level. I I don't I don't think I'm not saying the, yeah. the Dave didn't say problematic things, but um, quaaludes and raping women I think isn't on another level it's for another decades, level. decades, guys, decades. I, I would and denying it. I know you're not I, saying that. I'm just saying. I, yeah, I would love to see. Don't ever, I'm just saying. Anyone think, I'm just saying it's for all of this stuff. People are. I would definitely go see Chappelle. You know, you didn't invite me to the Chappelle show, so. Uh, but yeah, so I, when I saw when I, when I saw this, I just thought it's just weird that the headline was "There's so much fun to be had." I was like, "Nigga, there's not." Like, you know, J E L L O. Yeah, uh, George Santos. He's insane. You know what? Let's oh, save God. George Santos for next week. We've given people a lot it? today. Okay. Um, let's go directly. To is this fucked up? You guys, we got a couple of political topics here. We got uh, the representative George Santos, who's been investigated for lying about his past that we will get to after we've had a little time to digest it. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard actually tore his ass up on TV, which I'm not into that being a Tulsi Gabbard fan. Ally. It was my unexpected ally of the week. Thanks, fam. <laughs> for real? Yeah. You, you're, unexpected you're ally going? of the week. Uh, Keyword is unexpected. And I mean, that's, that's when I'm watching a clip, when I'm watching Morning Joe and the first clip is a Fox News interview and it's Tulsi doing it, you know, filling in for Tucker. I'm like, what's happening here? Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> that was a good it. She, she, she grilled him. That's a good one. That's a good. That's a good one. That's a good one. That was a good, that All right, was let's it. go straight to is this fucked up? Uh, right, Donnie, there's a new celebrity death prank that is... um. It's causing a rage on the old TikTok Chinese spy app that you guys love so much. Uh, play the audio. My God. Share dead at 81. No. My share? Oh my God. Howard Stern dead at 68. What? <gasps> what? Zach Efron dead at 35. Mom, what? Oprah Winfrey dead at 68. No! No. Oh my god, Neil Cavuto dead at age 64. No! Oh my god. Did you see John Travolta passed away? No, 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 no. No, no, don't say that. Now, Van. What? I know I didn't agree with you when parents were trapping their kids in bathrooms and letting that haunted ghost scare them. I found that funny. I do not find this funny. I just don't believe in playing with death. I'm sorry. Like, how far will we go for a laugh? How far will we go? Death is not funny to me. I would... I guess I just also remember having an extreme reaction to when certain people passed away. Michael, I fainted. And um, you fainted when Michael Jackson died. I look on my grandmother's floor. She she makes me reenact it all the time when I was just in Houston. <sighs> what I, the <laughs> fuck kind of shit y'all do? What kind of no? Rachel, she thinks it's funny. No, no, no. She thinks your it's grandma funny is like one of these TikTokers. Like Rachel, <laughs> no, she, come in here and relive the traumatic moment she, that, no, that Michael thinks, that Michael Jackson died. What the fuck y'all got so going here's on what down happened. there? No, no, here's what happened. My sister had called me and said Michael Jackson 
had a heart attack and I was driving. I was, I was living with my grandmother that summer. I was driving. I was like, please don't tell me anything else. I'm almost to grandmommy's. I get to my grandmother's house. She's like, your sister's on the phone. And my sister hands me the phone and she says, Michael Jackson died. And I dropped to my knees with the phone. And the next thing I know, my grandmother's like shaking me. And she's like, baby, we all got to go sometime. We all got to go. And I'm wailing, not Michael. Okay. So for, so that's what, ha- she just thinks it's funny that I fell on my knees. Cause they were like, what the hell are you going to do when we die? So I won't talk right. about it. Anyways, right. I just remember how traumatic it was. Like when I Whitney with the Prince, with, um, Michael, this is not funny guys. We, I can't, I can't keep defending y'all on social media when you play with death and you do things like this just for a laugh or for reaction. So you can go viral for 24 hours and then nobody remembers who you are the next day. Van, Van, Van likes it. He likes this trend. I don't like it at all. I think, (laughs) I think we're, I think the digitizing of the human soul is, is becoming something that's like, I'm serious. I think the digitizing of the human soul is going to a place that we're not going to be able to come back from. Because like, if we're all just these digital beings that show up on screens, then you know we're no different than video game people. So, like, you can Metaverse. kill Mario. Yeah, you can kill Mario anytime you want. You can kill uh, fucking Sonic anytime you want. It's like a oops, and then it happens again. I even see that in some of the violence, and they're playing like the GTA situation going around, and to like play with the actual human life that's so rare that exists one time for like a joke, the energy is just so bad. I'm old and I get it, but the energy is just so bad. It's just like a dark thing. Just watching those women go through and those men go through this like injection of grief that, that happened when that, and then, you know, Oh, it's just a joke. Like, it's like, I don't know. Also, Also, I also come from one of the names. Oh, go ahead. I'm saying I also come from a place where like, you know, people die very frequently and it's like, it's not funny. Like a funeral it's not isn't funny. funny. It's like funny. Yes, funny. But just also the way they were saying it, I just can't imagine being a celebrity and hearing seeing this joke in my name is it's like dead at 35. Like that's it was jarring just to hear yeah. y'all stop. Yes, it's yeah, fucked up, out. by the way. So it's definitely fucked up. All right, mailbag. Let's go. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. All right. A bird on Instagram asks favorite topics talked about on the pod this year, 2022. Mount Lion. Oh, speaking of, they found it, Rachel. No, you didn't play audio. They, you just they, they just set the episode. They Did you get found, the audio? They found Did you get it. Don't the audio? make me I don't I want to stall you out. Cause I like Donnie, they found, you find the audio. The episode of you wishing harm on P twenty two. They found it. <laughs> they set the episode. Allegedly it's in the Jonathan Majors episode. Y'all go find it. Find it. I'll, I have a I'll, feeling that my my words are gonna be taken out of context. Wow. You guys, that's a challenge. It's gonna be it's going to be Frankenbite. You're going to kill <laughs> P22. <laughs> I want you guys to look through the episode, the Jonathan Majors episode, and see if Rachel, if, if Rachel did that, if Rachel 
killed the most beloved mountain lion in 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 all of in all of the world. Uh, but yeah, my favorite thing was talking about nature, talking about animals, of course. We, animal games coming back strong for the twenty twenty. Animal games, animal games, animal games turned out to be very fun. That is actually one of the most fun things. I'm trying to, I don't, I don't know, I don't remember my favorite topic, but animal games definitely was something that needs to come back in twenty twenty three. All right, next uh, one. Mm-hmm. Pat Doctor Seven on Instagram asks, "What do you think is going to be the biggest trend in 2023?" Jacking off? No. Um. Uh, <laughs> dark. Good grief. Uh, I have no. Clue. I don't know, man. Like the biggest trend of 2023. I don't know, man. I'm so tired. You know, by the way, this is the, the last mailback question. We only do two mailbacks today. Okay. <laughs> don't do that one. Don't do that one, Donnie. Do another one. All right. Skip one. Uh, mm-hmm. Mommy Mo 216 asks, this is a big one, I think. If I gave you the opportunity to name my child, what's the first name you spit out and why? Dakota Sky. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Wait, I feel like I have another one. <laughs> Do you have one? Nigelato. Uh, Nigelato Jackson. Why Lee. do I even try? Why do I even try? <laughs> I'm telling you right now, Mommy Mo, if you name your kid Nigelato, like it, it's that's just it's 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 Italian. Nigelato. Nigelato. N I G A L A T O. Nigelato, Nigelato Scott, Nigelato Jackson um, Lee. It sounds like an ice cream flavor. And so this is <laughs> I, right now. I'll give Mommy Mo ten ten thousand if they name the kid Nigelato. That's so not enough. Why? 10, no, 10,000 is not enough. That's so bullshit. They could take the you know the bets off. They could take the ten thousand, and then they could they could just name the kid that, and then turn around and change the name right away before the kid. Why even don't ever you heard name? Nicolato. Why don't you name? Why don't you name your child? I, you that. know what? You know what? I would name a like, but I don't. You know what? I would name a kid. I don't. I don't think I'm gonna have any kids. You know. You know what? I would uh, name a kid. I would name a kid something historical, like um, I don't know something to really really piss the white people off, like. I don't know, fucking Shaka Mansa. That's not going to piss them off. <laughs> I guess nothing does, right? I don't know about names. Like, your name is Rachel. Like, why is your name Rachel? It's biblical. It's from the Bible? It is from the that's Bible. Why my, like, that's why my mom wanted my mom wanted one of her children to have a biblical name. That was me. Wasn't it Rachel, innocence. though? Wasn't Rachel, like, the the one that he didn't want? Uh, Actually, that was Leah. Rachel Wait. is the one he waited seven years for. She had Joseph and Jacob. Rachel had jo- well, Wait, Jacob's what? the husband. She had Joseph and I can't J- believe the other one's name. Benjamin. So Jacob's Benjamin, a husband. Benjamin, Jacob's a husband, but Rachel was because he was married already to Sarah. He wanted no. God, he was no. married. <laughs> Who is he married? No, no, he was married. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, so Jacob was married to because he was he was married to like an older lady okay. who he didn't think could have kids anymore. Am I tripping? Okay. Okay, that's the same lineage, but you've okay. gone down too far. There's okay. Sarah and Abraham. Sarah and Abraham. Sarah. Yeah. And yeah. Sarah couldn't have children until she was 99. So Abraham slept. She had the, the handmaid. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the right word. <laughs> Forgive right. me, y'all. She had, right. um, Hagar, I think was her name. Hagar! And, then they had, and they had Ishmael. Ishmael, okay. So Jacob was with Rachel. And that started a whole lineage. And then there was Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. Mm-hmm. And then Isaac, I can't remember Isaac's wife's name, but they had Esau and Jacob. Remember, mm-hmm. Jacob stole the inheritance because he put the hair. Yeah. Esau, Isaac. Okay, so then Jacob wanted Rachel. She was the youngest. And he was like, "No, you have to marry my oldest, Leah, first. And so he was like mm-hmm. with Leah for like seven years or something, and then he married Rachel. He wanted so, Rachel. So, how old was Rachel? Because that seems know. problematic. <laughs> I don't All know. right. Uh, well, y'all got to come. Y'all got to come harder with mailbag. I'm not gonna lie. You know what I mean? It's We've like, had some it, great mailbag questions. Stop. Yeah. Uh, I just put the ally of the week. Tulsi Gabbard. Mine was Tulsi Gabbard. Mm-hmm. I expect the ally of the week. Tulsi yeah, Gabbard. mine was Tulsi Gabbard. Yes. Um, I'll go with Tulsi you Gabbard too. It's a good one. That's a really good one. Like you guys should go listen to Tulsi Gabbard talk to George Santos. We're actually working on getting George Santos on the podcast. So he can rip his you ass. Should, his oh, ass he apart. loves he loves the spotlight. He'll love it. Um, listen, y'all. Yeah, that should be the homework, right? Let's do the signing homework. Sign homework at times. Y'all should go if you haven't listened to it already. Go listen to the interview with Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, She's filling in for Tucker on his show, Fox News. Go listen to it in preparation for when we talk about it on the pod. Hmm. Um, you guys will be back on the other side of the new year. Happy New Year to all of you. Uh, more big guests coming more big guests coming more life coming more higher learning coming take your thing caps off but do not stop opening your mind we out I'm sorry that's not how it goes uh, Rachel has to say goodbye I'm late <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad. Like, I don't know what the fuck I gave out all my fucking thoughts earlier in the podcast I went was- on too many rants I'm bad late then <laughs> I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Bye, guys. Happy New Year. Last podcast of the year.